My name is Rashad Cunningham. I am one of the pastors here at Mercy Road. I'll be the one that's presenting the sermon this morning. I do this thing to make sure everybody's in the room with me, ready for the Word of God. Everybody's a little used to it, but in case you haven't, I say, hey, good morning, Mercy Road, and then everybody says, good morning, Rashad. Now, there's a guy, I'm not pointing any elbows, but there's a guy named Aaron Stanton who's going to say radish the first time. So we're going to do it twice, no matter what, because he's going to say radish. It's not so that I get glorified in any way. I just want to make sure that you're in the room with me, ready for the word of God. Good morning, Mercy Road. He did it. So we're going to do it one more time. He always does it correctly the second time, all right? And once again, it's only to make sure your attention is in the room for the word of God, not for me. I want your energy because I'm going to give you all of me, especially this last service. I'm going to give you all of me, right? (laughs) Right? So one more time. Good morning, Mercy Road. Yeah, that was good. That was good. So let me pray, and then we're going to jump into the sermon. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've already done. We've seen transformation. We've had people come up and just say they want to be a part of this kingdom family. We've had people talking about how you have actually healed in the midst of their brokenness today. May we be very sensitive to all the different situations that come with this day we call Mother's Day. Father, we trust in you providing through the kingdom family, and we just want to learn more about that. We're so thankful for the privilege to share the word this morning with your people. Pierce their hearts. Remove me, Father. Pierce their hearts. Renew their minds. Give them comfort. Give them peace. But ultimately, Father, give them your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right. So has anybody um, made a commitment to something where they didn't actually know, uh, like, what all came with that commitment? Anybody? Yeah, I see a lot of hands going up. So on Friday... Um, Our keyboard player, he's he's like a little brother to me. His name is Mike. Uh, Friday, he asked me, Rashad, hey, can you give me a ride to church? Uh, I got to play keys on Sunday. And I'm thinking in my mind, you know, yeah, I got to preach anyway. I normally get there at 8 o'clock. But I didn't want to, like, commit to nothing because I I wasn't sure what time he had to be here. Nevertheless, he he texted me. He said 630. Now, now, we live in Brownsburg, Indiana in the Hendricks County area. And so he had to be, he wanted to be here at 630. 30 in the morning, which means I got to get up at like 4.30, right? I got to be at the house at like 5.30, right? And then be at his house by 6 to get over here by 6.30. So I did what every man in my position would do. I texted him back and said, let me check with my wife, <laughs> right? That's the signal for, I hope she says no, and we'll just call you an Uber and get you out there. And I'm thinking, you know, Mother's Day, of course my wife's going to say no. I go to my wife and she's like, sure, because, because you got to preach three services. That gives me an excuse to just come to the last one. She didn't say that, but in my mind, that's what she was saying. Because plan A was her saying no, right? But I didn't plan for plan B, which was her saying yes. And so here I am waking up this morning, 4.30. I get up pretty early anyway, but I'm working through my sermon a little bit. I hop in the car. I go pick up Mike. Mike comes out. He gets in the car. He says, bro, got to tell you something. I was like, what's up, Mike? He said, man, we ain't got to be there till 7.00. Said it like it was good news or something. I'm like, I'm already at your house at 6 o'clock in the morning, Mike. Right? And so, and so if I would have known, and, and here's the other thing. I'm not a great driver as it is, right? I'm not good at driving. I admit it. I, don't, I ain't got that man I can drive. Whatever. I'm not a good driver. And it gets worse when it's at night. It gets even worse when you check the news, Saturday, uh, the news on Saturday night, and it's nothing but orange and red all over the screen, Right? 
So I didn't think about any of that when I said yes to Mike on Friday, but that was like the cost of the commitment to saying yes to him. We got here fine, obviously. I teased him the whole way and told him I was going to put that in my sermon because I'm still working on my sermon as I'm working here because I had to be up at 430 in the morning. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, right? And so what I, think, what I think is this. I think when we think about Christianity, we miss that part. We're about to start this series next week called Driven, and it's all about being on mission. It's all about getting you in the outpost. It's all about getting you out of the building, and I think we miss something. We miss something because of the way that this has all been set up in, in like our culture, and we just kind of focus on Sunday. We miss the costly commitment of the kingdom family, and that's where I want to start, the costly commitment of the kingdom family, and because it's found in your confession. You see... When you confess Jesus is Lord, when you confess Jesus is Lord and Savior, Savior meaning he has delivered you from the pits of hell, amen, but Lord meaning he is ruler of all, he's in control of everything, I surrender my life, we don't get that in our context. See, we say it and we just go on about life. But in the days of Jesus, to call Jesus Lord, was, it, was, it was a threat on your life. It, you're actually putting your life in danger. Why? Because in the Roman Empire, Caesar is Lord. So if you call Jesus Lord, you are up against the Roman Empire. You are, that's treason. Like, that's, that's, that, you could be exiled. You could be executed. And in the Jewish culture, Yahweh is Lord. And so if you call Jesus Lord, you're calling Jesus God. And to the Jews, that's blasphemy. In fact, that's what led Jesus to the cross. So when you said Jesus is Lord, you were saying something that could get you killed. So to say that, you were saying that I put my life on this fact that Jesus is Lord. That's what you're saying when you confess it now. It doesn't change, right? And, 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 and we just, it's hard for us to understand it, but think about, think about going to a Black Lives Matter rally saying white power, right? Yeah, huh? No, no. <laughs> think about going to a KKK rally saying Black Lives Matter. You're like, He's losing his mind. Think about coming into a church and saying, Chick-fil-A is overrated. <laughs> right, you feel me, right? He's like, he's like oh, I might have to leave this church. Like, like oh, you have lost your mind. But to say Jesus is Lord is very similar. You are putting your life in danger when you said it in the context. And you're surrendering everything about yourself for the fact, this one fact, this one truth, that Jesus is Lord of your life. You're confessing it. You're agreeing with God that he is exactly who he says he is. Lord, Son of God, the Messiah, the Deliverer. And so Jesus even helps us with this in Matthew 10. This is how we're going to look at the costly commitment of the kingdom family. It says in Matthew 10, verse 21, he says, Now brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. This is Jesus talking. He says, but it's the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. We jump down to verse 32. He says, therefore, everyone who confesses me before people, I will confess him before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before people, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I came to turn man against his father and a daughter against her mother. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be the members of his own household. 
The one who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The one who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And the one who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. The one who has found his life will lose it. And the one who has lost his life on my account will find it. Do you see that costly commitment of being a part of the kingdom family? Like, sometimes we think, yes, I will do away with the drugs. I'll do away with the alcohol. I'll do away with the sexual promiscuity. But have you ever thought about the relational things that could be lost as a result of placing Jesus as Lord in your life? It is a costly commitment, and Jesus gives you a heads up. Like, this is very possible when you follow after me. It doesn't mean you go around hating your mama, hating your daddy, hating your brothers, hating your sisters. It means that if it comes between them and him, he is priority. He is Lord. He is king. And people may actually hate you because of that. What people? People that mean the most to you. There are people who have lost children, not to death, but to the fact that they're following Jesus and the children want nothing to do with them as a result. There are children who have lost parents, not to death, but the fact that mom or dad wants nothing to do with them because they're chasing after Jesus. There are, there are times when you're chasing after Jesus that people look at you and say, if you won't denounce him for what I feel or what I want, then, I, then you're dead to me. And Jesus says, stay on the mission. Stay on the mission because this should be expected. It will be because of my name, because of this costly commitment, because of this confession that Jesus is Lord that will lead others to not want to be with you. Have you ever thought about that part of saying Jesus is Lord when you made that profession that you made? When you made that confession that you made, have you ever actually thought about that part? I know when I gave my life to Christ in, in, in 2011, I started reading my Bible all the time, right? Reading my Bible, reading my Bible, enjoying it. And I came across this passage well, I learned, Davy. I learned that my wife comes before my mama. Ooh. I mean, y'all don't know Regina Cunningham. She don't play that. And my mama a Christian, but she just failed to tell me that part of the Bible. Right? And so I'll never forget, me and my wife have been married for a little while, and we always would do like a Thanksgiving here, or we do, like, we, you know, you do all the things you do, right? And there was one moment where we kind of agreed. We actually agreed that we weren't going to do something that my mama invited us to, but you know, the invite means you better be there, right? And so I called mama and was like, you know, mama, and I'm a punk, so I was like, Brittany said, uh, <laughs> Brittany don't want to go, so we ain't going. She's like, so what time will you be here? I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. Brittany said we ain't going. Okay, that's good for Brittany. What time will you be here? And so I'm like, um, the Bible says, <laughs> the, the Bible says, my wife come before you, right? But that, that's funny and all, but that's what I'm saying. Like, to take that stand against my mom in that moment, we're laughing now, but in the moment, like, I can look back and laugh now, but in the moment, I was, the, the Bible, the Bible you told me to believe in, all those, you know, did you know what said this? You know what I mean? Like, did you know? And then she started quoting stuff out of that honor that I found. I'm like, ah, look at you, look at you. But, but this is what happens, right? Like, this is what happens because it could get way more serious than that. It could get to a place where because mom is believer of this and you're believing in Christ, she wants nothing to do with you. Or because um, as, a, as, a, as a mother, because you believe in this and child doesn't believe in that, you lose that. And he's saying, like, this is the top priority, 
And that's tough to deal with. And sometimes that pain or that fear of losing relationships is why we don't make that confession. It's why we don't make that commitment because we're scared to lose mama. We're scared to lose child, brother, sister. And so look, look what happens here. Look what happens. We, we hop over to Mark chapter 3. And in Mark chapter 3, I want you to see something. Starting in verse 20, it says, And Jesus, and he came home, and the crowd gathered again to such an extent that they could not even eat a meal. And when his own people, his mother, his brothers, his, his people, when his own people heard about this, they came out to take custody or to seize or to arrest him, per se, to take him home. Um, for they were saying he has lost his senses. You see, he's running around saying he's the son of God saying to repent and believe, and the kingdom is before you. And this is leading to, once again, you're going up against Caesar. You're going up against Yahweh in the Jew's mind. And you're saying that you are God. You are Lord. You've lost your mind. And so what happens when we jump down to 31, it says, Then his mother, Mary, and his brothers came. And while standing outside, they sent word to him, calling for him. And a crowd sitting around him said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Answering them, he said, Who are my mother and my brothers? Now, let me tell you something about Regina Cunningham, okay? I've had a scenario kind of like this, all right, brother? I like to play video games when I was younger. And I'd be playing that game when I'm on a mission, and I'm like, you know, you can't pause, you know, you can't pause the game because it's not going to save. You've got to start the whole thing over. And mama would be downstairs and be like, Rashad, Come downstairs and eat. So in my mind, I'm like, I ain't going downstairs. I ain't pausing this game to go eat. You're going to have to wait. I didn't say that. All right? I didn't say that. But in my mind, that's what I said. So I just didn't say nothing. Right? So her response, I know you heard me. Come downstairs and eat. And at this point, I'm like in my feelings and feeling some type of way, like I'm, I'm bad or something. And I was like, in a minute. You don't say in a minute to mama, right, right? You, see, you don't say in a minute to mama, and she, I got you in a minute, right? And, and you better come down and eat. She turned off the game and messed up everything. I had to start all over. But the thing was, I was on a mission. I was trying to finish this level. I was on a mission. Nothing could distract me. I was, I was like, no, mama, you don't understand. I can't come off the mission right now. Now, that is no reason to say no to your mama, right? But Jesus, in this moment, is on mission. I want you to see this. Mary, think about this, because this is where it's going to hit. This is her firstborn son, her miracle baby. It's her firstborn son. When you read this passage, you got to read underneath that. She's standing outside, and her son is living this life on mission, on kingdom, on purpose, that's going to lead him to a cross. If Peter, who's just a friend, said, you... I'm not letting you go to Jerusalem to die. And he says, get behind me, Peter. Why? Because you're trying to set against the purpose, the mission, the will of God. So in this same moment, this is what's happening. Mary, out of her love, her love for her firstborn son. This is my son. He's putting his life on the line for this kingdom. This is my son. He's... he's He's about to die for the things that he's saying. This is my son. I just want him to come home. I want, I want to preserve him. I want to hold him. I want to protect him. And in that moment, he says, who 
is my mother. Think about that. In that moment, because she was so concerned with preserving him for her agenda, she ends up setting herself against the kingdom agenda. Now watch what happens. He's in this room. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. You got the text in front of you. But he's in a room. Imagine it's a room like this. And this woman who gave him birth, this woman who raised him, who helped him to walk, taught him to talk, standing outside. But because the mission of the kingdom is so important, because the will of the Father is so important, he says, who is my mother? He turns around. And just imagine with me for a minute. Like, just imagine that you're inside this room, and there's a woman you know who can't have children. And he points to her. He says, that's my mother. Imagine there's a woman who's lost a child, and he points to her and says, that's my mother. Imagine there's a woman who, because she's following Jesus, her child wants nothing to do with her because he's a Roman or he's a Jew who doesn't want no part of that. And he points to her and says, that's my mother. In other words, he changes the dynamic. What happens in the kingdom is this. In the kingdom, motherhood is not about giving birth. In the kingdom, motherhood is about being born again and being on mission. Every woman in here who confesses Jesus as Lord and is doing the will of the Father has been birthed into motherhood. Who's my mother? Who's my brother? Who's my sisters? It's not because he didn't love her, but because the mission, the will of God is so important. Going to that cross was so important. You were so important to him that he says, who is my mother? And starts reshaping this kingdom family. And what you find is that the common connection of the kingdom family is found in those conditions, his conditions. The requirements, the qualifications, anyone who does the will of the Father with me. Now think about that. Because that's not always something negative, right? It's not always a negative situation. Does anybody know who Pastor Rob is? Some of you do, some of you don't. He's like the Wizard of Oz here, right? He does the online ministry. He's the online pastor in that back room back there. Don't go back there, but it's like the Wizard of Oz. Like he's behind the curtain, right? He has a wife named Ann Vita. And him and Ann Vita are from the Chicago suburb area, and, and they were on mission for what God had called them to. They came down here to plant a church, and they had some, some children. And, and, and so they have Elijah, who's their oldest. They have Isaiah. And this story I'm telling, just setting it up for the video you're about to see, she was pregnant with Ezra. And so that in itself is a mission, right, ladies? Like, to, get to, to, to bear a child requires you to make a commitment that you're going to see this through, right? And so what happens is when, when, when she's going through her pregnancy, there were complications, and they said she's going to have to go to bed rest to complete this mission. And so that means she's going to have to give up financial security. She's going to have to give up all kinds of stuff. And she's already given up family because she's on mission, so she's not up with her family. She's down here. And in the midst of going on bed rest, she finds out that Isaiah, her secondborn, is diagnosed with leukemia. Her parents aren't bad parents. Her family's not a bad family, but she's down here on mission. Can you see how easy it would be to just pack everything up and go back 
and just be with family instead of being where God has called you? You see how easy it would be to go prioritize comfort and all those things? But they stayed here on mission to not only just see through the pregnancy, to not only be with Isaiah in that moment, but trusting that God would provide everything that they needed in that moment. I want you to see this video just to let her tell the rest of this story. So a few years ago, I went through one of the most challenging seasons of my life, and I remember just pouring out my heart to the Lord and saying, hey, in case you don't know this, but this is going to be really hard, and I don't even have any family here to support me through this. And I remember him very clearly saying, you are my family. And honestly, I had no idea what that meant, but as weeks and months started going by, we had so many people reach out to us from our family, our friends, our neighborhood, our church, coworkers. We had people praying for us all over the world, and we experienced God's goodness, His faithfulness, His kindness, His generosity in such an overwhelming way. It was hard to be anything but just be full of gratitude. And some of the relationships that I formed in that time have been just amazing, just lifelong friends who have now become sisters to me. And what united us was not the fact that they lived in my neighborhood, but the fact that we love the Lord and we have a passionate desire to just serve Him and love Him. So I actually call them my sisters now. And um, another relationship that really grew in that time was with someone named Angie. Angie is just an amazing woman who loves the Lord and she reached out to me in that time and she prayed for me, she prayed over me, just always, always helped me to focus on Jesus and who He is and not what my circumstances are. And you know, as even if um, seasons have changed now, I'm so thankful that she hasn't changed and she hasn't just left me, she has continued to just pour into me to help me to grow, to encourage me and just She's such an amazing example of what it means to live on passion for the Lord, and I'm so grateful for her. She is a mentor to me, she's a friend, she's my spiritual mother, and I just can't thank God enough for her. You know, in life, um, I know from experience that God is and will always be enough, but He's not created us to do life alone. He has made us to be with people and be intentional about with relationships with people. And I'm so grateful for these women in my life who has shown me what kingdom family looks like on the side of heaven. And I can't wait to do the same for others. Y'all give it up for Envidia. Y'all see that? I just want you to understand something in that moment. You see how she says that God raised up Angie and provided what she didn't have physically there? It's not that mom was bad or anything. It's just that mom wasn't there, right? So let's run to my last point, which is at the cross. The caring creator of the kingdom family is found at the cross. In John 19, I want you to see this. Starting in verse 25, it says, Now beside the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, which is John, the one writing this, standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. Can you go to that cross with me real quick where Jesus is on the cross dying? If anybody should be selfish right now, it's Jesus. Like, we would all understand now if he was just focused on himself. He's on a cross dying for you. In the midst of dying for you, his mother is at the cross. Watching her firstborn fulfill his mission. Watching his firstborn fulfill his purpose. Do I got your attention? Do I got you? 
The same mother who he said, who's my mother, is now standing at the cross watching her son fulfill his purpose. And he cares about her enough in that moment to look at his mother and provide. He looks at her and says, behold, your son. And looks at John and provides a mother. Behold, your mother. And here's one of the most intimate things about that. John's biological mother was at the cross too. This rips me apart. Because that's, that's like, this is kind of where I, I, I resonate. Like, right now, I've seen these types of relationships here of Jesus providing when a mother is not available. It's not always negative, but sometimes it is. And on this, in this age, in this culture where we only celebrate the ones who give birth or what, he removes all of that and says, if you are on mission to do the will of the Father with me, you are a mother. And we see it in this church. Let, let me talk to you about this guy named Nathan Duncan, who's a part of our church family. He was born with cerebral palsy, and they, they told him he wouldn't live two days. God pushed him through that. They told him he wouldn't walk. He walks. They told him he wouldn't talk. He talks. They told him he wouldn't graduate high school or college. He graduated high school and college. And he comes here on a good Friday, and he hears a message, and he wants to be a part of this family. He wants to invite Jesus into it. He wants to surrender his life to Jesus. He wants to call on Jesus as Lord. So Kathy brings it to me, and I hold him, and we cry. And I said, welcome to the family. He gets involved in a rooted group. But see, that good Friday, I wanted to take him home. He said, don't worry, I'll walk. He came to first step, our first step class, and I tried to take him home, and he said, don't worry, I'll walk. And so in the second week of Rooted, we're sitting down at this table talking about the love of Jesus, the love of God, and he said, man, because of my cerebral palsy, my father didn't really have that affection for me, and so I wasn't sure if God loved me if my own father didn't love me. I started realizing maybe that's some of the reasons why he doesn't want that ride. Maybe he doesn't even feel worthy. But there's this group there's, there's this marriage, there's this couple in our, in our rooted group named, named Mama Gail is what we call her, and Papa Clint. And, and, and Mama Gail offered him a ride after that rooted group and became a mother in that moment. Not because she gave birth to Nathan, but because she owned the fact that God placed him in front of her. Can you feel that? Some of you who were here, I got permission to tell this. Some of you who were here a couple weeks ago uh, while Josh was preaching saw Brittany get into the baptismal. Some of you were trying to figure out what was going on because it was mid-service and she was having an attack. Her aunt, was out of, her aunt, who God has raised up for her as a mother figure, was out of state, and she was here to get baptized, but she had got into the baptismal. She was having an attack. She was in the baptismal, and people didn't know what to do. Josh's wife, Lisa, went up there, and she was just a mother. That's all she was. And then Rob came and got me and Kathy, and I ran over here, but Kathy got in the baptismal. And I don't know if you was here, but Kathy just held her. Just held her. Because in that moment, Brittany needed a mother. And God raised up two women, not to replace her mother, but to stand in the place of her mother. This is how God provides while we stay on mission. Even right now, 
Even right now, my mom, you guys know she has stage four cancer, but she's in the hospital right now struggling with pneumonia and has a blood clot in her leg, and she was in the ICU all week long. In the selfishness of me, all I want to do is not be on this stage right now. All I want to do is be by her bedside right now, not on mission, not preaching to you, not putting you first, not doing what he's called me to do. I want to put everybody to the side and go be with my mama. But my mama said, I've prayed for women to be raised up in your church so that when I can't be there, they will. That's what I'm asking you to tie into when you think of Mother's Day, Father's Day, the kingdom family, that you've made a commitment. And because you've made that commitment, you can focus on the kingdom knowing that God will raise up everything you need because he's a provider. He is a caring creator who is putting a family together to provide for you. Do you know what it feels like to walk in here and be able to say the words of this song we're about to sing? I've never been more loved than I am right now. Right now. While my mom's sitting in the hospital, I feel the love of her praying over me. And I feel the love of God raising up women to come back there and hold me. To text me and encourage me. To love my family. When we left Church on the Rock, the only thing we were scared of was family. We knew he would move in the sermons. We knew he would do the ministry. I said, Father, but you're causing me to leave a family. So will you please provide another one? And so what happens? What happens when we start believing the word Jireh, which means provide? When we start believing Jehovah Jireh, that God will provide, and he wants to provide through you. He wants you to be the Jireh for each other so that they will know us by our love for one another when we get out this box living on mission together. Do you know what it's look? KJ, do you know what it means to me, bro, that you reached out to me? You got a mother, you got a father who love you, and I could never replace them. But God gave me you as a son, bro, on Wednesdays, talking about scriptures, how to grow in the scripture. He gave me you, bro. Have you ever thought about it like that? And I responded because I've lost a son. I never got to raise a son. So to get an opportunity to pour into you as my son, not as a replacement for your father, but as my son who God has given me in this kingdom. That's why I meet with you on Wednesdays. This is what he wants. This is why we're asking you to get into an outpost. It's not for the program. It's for the people. How will you ever find who God has given you if you're not doing mission together? How will you ever know how he's trying to provide for all the brokenness in your life, for all the pain you're feeling this morning? It is not a woman alive who could take my mama's place. Not, not, not one woman. <laughs> but God raises up mothers, plural, and now I have an abundance of women. Mama Rita, Mama Mary, right? Some of y'all the same age as me. I still call you mama, Kathy, right? Like, like think through this. This is what he does if you just trust that as you stay on mission, as you get involved in the outpost and sacrifice your time, as you become a part of the megathon thing, because if we keep this to ourselves, how selfish. 
Anderson needs the same thing we got, right? Or if you just stay inside this building, just wanting your Sunday feeding, you're missing out on the family. And so I challenge you. I challenge you to actually get involved. We got babies back there, kids. And like I said, to give physical birth, it's a mission, right? Right? <laughs> and you do everything you have to do to make sure the baby gets here, right? We have spiritual babies waiting to be born back there in the children's ministry, and we have to beg people to go back there. We, we need you to step up and be a mom and be a father. It's not just for the women and be big brothers and big sisters. We got a prayer ministry over here. We got a prayer room. We need more people in there praying for us, praying for you. You think just because we're pastors, we don't, we don't need parents? We're giving everything for you. You can pour back into us just by getting into prayer ministry and praying over us as sons and daughters. We need you because we're, we've given up everything. I've given up everything to be at Mercy Road. I've given up everything because this is where God wants me. And I don't need no pity, but I do need family. I need family. I never stop needing a mother. I never stop needing a son and a daughter. And, he, and God is enough, but he chooses to use us to provide for each other. That's what Jaira is. God is the provider. He's enough by himself. And Vita said that. But he gives you the privilege, the platform, and the opportunity to be the gyra for each other through each other. Why would we not do that? And so, and so this is what happens. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. This is what happens. We're about to pray out. The love of God, the love of Jesus working through you produces this kind of family. You see, the people in my life here at Mercy Road who have loved me and the people I love right here on stage with me, y'all. These words, it says this. It says, I've never been more loved than I am right now. It says, I wasn't holding you up. In other words, I did nothing to hold you up to get your love. I didn't earn your love, so I can't let you down. Can you imagine what it looks like if we out here in this wicked, cold world, in this world that is broken with racism, broken with politics, broken with all this, but all those differences that we have are overcome by our love for each other that says, I don't care your politics. You can't let me down because I'm loving you with the love of God. So therefore, you get a love that you can't let down, you can't let go. And there's no trophy that you could give me that's going to make me proud. I'm proud of you because you're on mission with me. So that's why I love you. He goes on, and Isaiah's going to sing this part where he goes, he says, I don't want to forget how I feel right now. Right now. Do you know how I feel right now? I'm looking at all these potential family members of a whole bunch of stuff that I have issues with because I've left it all out. I've, I've, I've walked away from all of it to follow him. And I'm like, man, I see a big brother. I see a big sister. I see a little sister. I see like... Like I see mamas, I see daddies, I see all this stuff, but we got to stop playing house and start being a house. You're not like my family. You are my family. You want to break barriers? You sick of all the stuff going on in the world? Be the example. Be the city on a hill. The Bible says they will know us by our love for one another, the gyra love for one another. So that's what I'm calling you to do. 
get involved in your church family. If you're visiting, go home and get involved in your church family. Take this message from God and go live it out. Because a, a whole lot of people do this, but we're not doing this. I'm tired of talking. I'm tired of talking. I want to be family with you. I want to love you sacrificially. I want people to see that if I give up everything for the Lord, he will provide. Amen.